0: We can form people's trajectory of thinking by our attitudes and by our behaviors. Happiness is contagious, fear is contagious, racism is contagious, you know, social justice as well then is contagious, joy is contagious. Those things are just as contagious as COVID-19.
1: You've tuned in to how it looks from here, life in the time of COVID. Life looks different to you than it does to me. The way race and gender, education and work and everyday circumstances combine in any person's experience, well, it's different. For every person, how it looks matters. And with every interview, we are enriched. It's truly helping. I'm Mary Claire, and this is the second part of my conversation with health communications professional and social justice activist Paris Mullen. Up to now, Paris has placed COVID-19 in the context of current social unrest, in particular the demonstrations around the country since George Floyd's murder. Paris has made clear connection between these demonstrations and the persistence of degradation, and oppression of black Americans, he's also extended his observations, clarifying the history and relevance of HIV to the novel virus behind the current pandemic. In this episode, we pick up where our conversation left off. It begins with the two of us reminiscing about the first time we met in a coffee house in Seattle 11 years ago. Paris was already an energetic scholar and activist when I walked up to his table to ask if he would be one of the hundred voices in my book, A Hundred Voices, Americans Talk About Change. That morning in Seattle 11 years ago, Paris spoke passionately and practically about the environment and his concern for the Earth's well-being. We continue some of that conversation today today. Here, now in COVID times, the interdependence of our social ecologies, with the fullness of all nature, remains. Well, Paris, um, as you know, we met 11 years ago. In April, (laughs) in a coffee shop in Seattle. Yeah. I know. We're both a little taller now. Yeah, right? Right? Am I how you've grown? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And at the time, I was gathering the 100 voices for my book. And I remember in that conversation that you were speaking about a great passion for the environment. Mm. And one of the things that's been said about COVID-19 is when animals don't get to have the spaces that they need, then this kind of thing is more likely to happen. The environment is implicated in COVID-19 and our behaviors relative to the environment are implicated. So what are you seeing these days? Are you having any thoughts about the environment in general?
0: Many thoughts. I mean, I don't know how one (laughs) cannot. What do I have to say? I have to say it's just as serious as this pandemic of COVID-19 and just as real and just as relevant. And, um, you know, wildlife and our own lives, human life has been impacted by you know, how we've mistreated our planet. And, you know, it's just as an issue, as much of an issue um, as this pandemic, COVID-19. So, you know, I, it's still relevant. It always will be. I mean, it's the planet we live on. It gives so much to us. We need to give back in ways that are, are prudent.
1: You spoke about the source of your hope and your freedom um, being deep inside you first. What I recall that you said was, those of us who want to make a positive difference need to do the work in there to give that hope and freedom and kindness to ourselves. In the, the work that my husband and I are doing on full ecology, the, the first step is to stop long enough to hear how we are internally. And the stop is to stop and see the environment within you. Right. Because unless you stop and see that, the interaction with the rest of your experience in life is not going to be as clear and as helpful if, if it's embattled in there. What does that make you think, that bridge in the environmental discussion, particularly given everything you were saying about the social unrest and the inequities in health care?
0: Right. Interesting that you we talk about this now. I just had a uh, my meditation this morning was entitled "Stillness Amidst uh, Commotion," uh, and how do we find that stillness, place of peace, and internal activism, I'll say. And one of the things that COVID nineteen has done for me, and also the you know racial and social unrest that we have seen. Is it's allowed me to center on what's most important. I got to really answer the question how am I going to show What's my role in all this? And the first answer, and I have to think my sobriety, I'm in a 12 step program. My sobriety and my faith is how is Paris gonna take care of Paris first? I can't give what I don't have. So it's okay, you know, to get up in the morning and meditate or go for a walk or run or exercise or make sure that I eat a nice meal, healthy meal in the morning or take a nap throughout the day when I'm tired or call my mom or call friends or figure out, you know, they call their COVID family. Who are those folks that you're gonna be like, okay, we're gonna check on each other, you know, and we're gonna have socially or physically distance, you know, know, meetups, but we're gonna see each other. you know, again, eating well, but all the self-care, you know, tools, I'm just yoga, you know, to take care of Paris. I feel like if I'm not here, I can't help any anyone or anything. So my self-care first, I guess the classic cliche, put the oxygen mask on yourself, the planes going down, and then on those around you. So I'm putting the oxygen mask on myself. And part of that also means being gentle with myself in these trying and frustrating um, and complex times. But, so those are some ways I take care of myself. And I believe that, you know, from that place, I'm able to get clear about my truth. And so it helps inform how I fight and show up in the world. And so as it relates to the racial unrest, social unrest, as it relates to COVID-19, And as it relates to protecting our environment. But first, Paris needs to take care of, as you said, his own internal environment. That's actually most important. Um, Then I can figure out which hill it is, metaphorically speaking, that I'm willing to die on.
1: So generationally, that take care of yourself thing um, got absorbed by the boomer generation to be a little bit too narcissistic. Um, But not completely. That's the bad rap, you know, that take care of yourself got with what was called at one point the me generation. Right. So there is a translation, transition in understanding. The problem wasn't taking care of oneself in order to be of any effect. The self-care is not the problem. The problem is what self-care really looks like. There was a very wise sage who one time said, as within, so without. Yes, yeah. And I think that's probably been said across many, many traditions. How would you make the translation? This, this thing of self-care is not necessarily easy. And you have to have a certain presence with yourself that is kind when you catch yourself not taking care. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, I just there's this quote that says, if you do not make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. And I believe that that pertains to our physical health. It pertains to the wellness with regard to social justice and racial equity. It pertains to the wellness of our environment. We will be forced to take time um, or forced to make time for the illness And the ills that are going to be of consequence, you know, look at what's happening with George Floyd, that the, the sickness and I'll call it the sin is manifesting because we as a people have not taken time to ensure that we are well from a place of racial equity, inclusion and diversity, you know, with regard to marginalized populations, women as well. And so we are seeing in our society where we're forced to look at where we are not well because we have not taken the time to, um, to manage our wellness and to make sure that we are healthy as, as a society and then certainly on the individual level. So I, I, back to the self-care piece and being gentle with myself and knowing that it's about progress and not perfection. You know, I'm always trying to get this right, you know, what it means to take care of Paris. But going back to, you know, what you said, I think a distinction with that, you said the me generation and and self-help and taking care of self. I believe we take care of self in part so we can take care of others. That's the other side of it. Like, I want to be well for me and the quality of my life, but also so I can help the quality of the community around me. I'm not the only person on this planet. There are others. And what does it look like to take responsibility for my community? I think we see a good example of this. Look who's out in the streets um, protesting, you know, against racial inequity that we see is wielded uh, on black and brown lives. We see so many different ethnicities and genders uh, and representations out there in those streets. These are a community of people who are saying... I've gotta help ensure that my community, my world around me, the world that doesn't look like me, is well. Because right now, we are not. And if if they are not well, I'm not well. Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We can't hold someone down without being down there ourselves also. So it's a community effort, a collective effort, and I see that being expressed in, in those who are fighting in the streets, you know, and who are not in the streets around racial inequity. So we're well, so we can help our communities be well.
1: Stay with us. We'll be back after this brief break. And so I have heard and read Black, and really um, the ones that I've been hearing are women. Yes. uh, Scientists and scholars who are saying, oh, dear ones, I care so deeply about what's happening on those streets. Take good care and do the good work so that I can make it so we still have a planet. Talk about that bridge. We all are playing roles. And we don't get to have any of this unrest if we don't have a planet. <laughs> That's
0: true. Well, I'll say here's an opportunity for the generations. This is an intergenerational problem. Therefore, I believe it's going to require an intergenerational solution, cross-ethnic solution, cross-gender solution. It's a human problem, which is which is going to be you know, resolved by humans coming together and devising a solution. So, you know, younger generations listening to the wisdom of older generations, listening and um, receiving guidance, and also older generations listening and receiving guidance from younger generations. And we together, you know, figuring out what resolution means, you know, on some level, I believe it's, can we agree upon a common ground? Where those have agreed upon a common ground or common goal, it's okay, how can we communicate and work together, you know, to move toward that common ground and common goal? We still have to figure out a way to talk with each other, to communicate with one another, to exist in the same space and disagree about things, but agree about our end goal. We're just trying to figure out how we get there together. So, you know, Maybe I'm speaking in generalities, but I'd like to convey the truth and the point, which I believe is salient, is that the onus is not just on older generations. The onus is just not on younger generations. It's on all of us. How are we going to work together? Um, Because we're all on this planet together.
1: And drawing on the best of every one of us.
0: The best of every one of us. I don't believe that there's any one right way (laughs) to figure this out. I don't believe that one person has the truth of the answer. I believe that truth and that collective wisdom will offer answers uh, with regard to how we move forward with being more kind to our planet. Um, but it's hard to do that if we're not more kind to ourselves. It's hard to treat something with kindness and love when we don't know how to really do that to ourselves. Sometimes it's hard to do that, I believe. Um, My own experience is when I have been more kind to myself, compassionate with myself, create those kinds of boundaries, what I'm willing to accept from people in my life and the world around me, it changes. In my internal home, oh, we don't allow that. So then I don't allow people to talk to me in negative ways because I don't allow myself to talk to myself that way. I have a certain standard around, you know, taking care of the environment and the planet. So therefore, you know, I have a standard with regard to the people groups that I'm around, at least sharing with them what I believe and why I believe that. But it starts with my own internal convictions and taking care of myself. What I'll say on this with regard to social change um, as it pertains to social justice and taking care of our planet is those things are just as contagious as COVID-19. Meaning we can form thought and people's trajectory of thinking by our attitudes and by our behaviors and by creating a collective within our communities. Happiness is contagious. Fear is contagious. Racism is contagious. You know, social justice as well then is contagious. Joy is contagious you know, taking care of our planet can be contagious. How? Through a social context, through our relationships and uh, our communities for which we exist in. Beliefs can be passed down. So, you know, those things are also contagious. Freedom's contagious.
1: So fundamentally, you think we're up to this?
0: Yes, we are. The human spirit is up to this. The human spirit, bigger than the body that I'm in. Absolutely. I don't believe that we would have been placed in a situation where we weren't up to it. You know, we got ourselves in it. I believe we can get ourselves out. Do we have the social will, the political will, the spiritual will? Those are the questions, but not are we up to it and can we do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, can we? We have to. I believe we have to. We have to.
1: Well, what did you say earlier, quoting Tubman?
0: Oh, freedom or death.
1: There you go. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, we have been, we have covered so much, and it's always such a delight to spend time with you. You as well. And yes, it's wonderful. Uh thank you for your time, Paris, and thank you so much for
0: your presence
1: and work in the world.
0: You're very welcome, and thank you for holding space for me as a friend, as a thought leader, if you will, on some of these, asking my humble opinion on these matters. Thank you so much. And can I just lastly say this? I may not make it into our, our interview, but you know, I mentioned kind of the hard things around COVID uh, and which they have been, but there, I want to express gratitude as well, ironically, in this time of COVID and what it has meant for me. I'm thankful to have still kept my job, which has allowed me to sustain a type of livelihood. But because things have been shut down around me, it's allowed me to go within focus on things that are important and really center around what's important. My family, my friends, keeping in touch with them in ways that I hadn't before. Nurturing those relationships, checking in on them. Because um, I wasn't going out running these streets with friends because you know we were on lockdown. So Zoom, like we're doing now, has become a really essential part of my life. Um, it allowed me to focus on... Some other key goals in my life as it pertains to my career. Um, it's been a really outstanding year for me with regard to my career and some accomplishments. I've been asked to do a global podcast with another colleague around my company's HIV story and how they got on board with the fight against HIV back in the 80s and where we are now. That is awesome. I recently did an interview with Pause Magazine. It's an in magazine that focuses on HIV and individuals and in the lives of folks living with HIV. That'll be out in, in October. Um, i've been able to do some house projects, paint my apartment and you know fix that dresser and fix the bed and all these kinds of things because what else am I else going to do at this time? I got into grad school, so there have been some some really uh, rewarding times amidst this time of COVID. So it's been a complex, it's been joyful, it's been hurtful, it's been, you know, a windy road, it's been worrisome, it's been faith building, it's been all of that in this time. It's allowed us to reconnect. And for that, I could not be more grateful. And as you told me back then, when we met in Seattle, you'd always end our conversations, particularly via email, until soon. And I've kept using that since.
1: Oh, what a joy. What a joy. This is the option of which you speak. Yes. We as humans have this option to listen to each other, to be present with each other, to be enriched, no joke, by the way the world looks to another person. Just makes my world larger. Yes. Paris Mullen, your nonprofit is hope for us, yeah. and people can gain access to that at parismullen.com.org. .org. Excellent. Okay. Hey, thanks, my friend. Freedom or Until death.
0: soon. Yes, until soon.
1: <laughs> You've been listening to How It Looks From Here, an educational collaboration between Full Ecology and the System Zoo. How It Looks From Here was created and produced by me, Mary Claire, and Joe LaVisca. Editing by Joe and Doug LaVisca. Music by Cedar Mathers Wynn and Gary Ferguson. You can find us on social media and at www.fullecology.com. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners, like you.